You're listening to Matrimony. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Chris. This show is about our marriage, our money, and the stuff that matters. husband. Hiya. Hi. On this episode, we are talking retirement. This will be a big discussion because it's a big topic. It could probably be its own podcast series. Mm -hmm. Do you want to make that podcast? Yes. Oh boy. (laughs) Um, But today we're going to stick to the basics, some ideas on how retirement income can be structured to meet your retirement needs and how to deal with possible threats to your retirement Mm. plans. Asterisk. Dun, dun, dun. We are not financial advisors. (laughs) Please take what we say with a grain of salt. It's not advice. It's just for you to be thinking about what you want to do in your own situation, which actually sounds kind of like advice. But (laughs) anyway, they get the idea. Great. Okay. First, let's catch up on life lately. Uh, We need to talk about something awesome that happened last weekend. Oh, Um, I thought you were about to yell at me for the outline for the podcast. (laughs) Like We need to talk about something with this outline. No, we need to talk about something awesome. And that was our amazing date that Mm -hmm. cost... $3. (laughs) $3. No, it's it's a little bit misleading. It mm-hmm. did end up costing us, well, maybe a little bit more than three out-of-pocket dollars, but it was this constellation of amazing like gift cards and, mm-hmm. and free services that we cashed in all on one day to do one amazing, very cheap date. Yeah, the marriage gods looked down upon us. It all started... <laughs> It when all we started. visited the Riparian Preserve. That's right. And it, there was a fair going on. So there's a park nearby our house mm-hmm. and a little fair going on. And there happened to be a booth. And I can't remember the even the company's name, but it's like College, College Nannies, Nannies and Tutors. Which sounds kind of porny, but it's not. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just a service um, that is based online. So the cool thing about it is you can sign up and then literally go to the app and just it, like day of find a nanny mm-hmm. to watch your kids. Yeah. But at the booth, they had a little sign in thing. And so if you want to sign up they get your email, you could put in for a drawing for four free hours mm-hmm. of nannying. Mm-hmm. Babysitting. Babysitting. Yeah. And we got it. And we won. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> so yeah. So we uh, checked out this service. They came to visit like we didn't just sign up, you know, without kind of vetting it a little bit. But mm-hmm. yeah, so we... Uh, it was super easy to use and um, yeah, so got this, uh, got babysitting for four hours free and then we probably used another couple on, mm-hmm. on top of that. And then we had a movie gift card. So we went to go see Hidden Figures, which we loved. Yeah, phenomenal. And then we went to a brewery where we had a gift card from Christmas and then we also had a $70 gift card from when we bought new tires this year, there was a rebate and we got a $70 Visa gift card. Mm -hmm. So we used that to buy our dinner. It was awesome. So we were out from like 2.30 to 8 o'clock and we spent $3 Mm -hmm. plus a couple hours, I guess maybe $43. Yeah, we get get billed on that later. Anyway, it was awesome. And what's also cool is that we used about half of the gift cards (laughs) so we could replicate this date and one of your friends possibly will sign up for the service and if she mentions us while she signs up, (laughs) we get yet another four free hours of (laughs) nannying. That's so funny. (laughs) Um, Anyway, yeah, it was great. Oh, and the other thing that I loved about our date is mm-hmm. the time of it, mm-hmm. 2.30 to 8. Because we are wild I crazy. want all my dates to be that time. <laughs> it was so great. It was like just 
that's like sometimes just getting into the afternoon when the boys can just get like wound up or just falling apart or whatever. Um, and we don't have to deal with it. Yeah. And we got to go and just like enjoy it being daytime and perfect weather. And then we got home and we didn't have to stay up late. Okay. And so I loved it. I have a question for you. Yes. Will we ever see the midnight hour again in I our mean, lives? I'm sure in our lives. I don't know if, I, I don't know when I will want to again. So on purpose. <laughs> I I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. I can't imagine right now when that will be, but <laughs> but I don't care. There's so, a lot, of, but there's a lot of people that don't see the four o'clock hour or the five o'clock hour, and we see those routinely. Yeah, I guess that's true. The a.m. I want to know though from listeners because you know most people work and get up even if they're not getting up at four o'clock, they're getting up at like six or seven or whatever. How do you do evening dates out with your spouse when you have to get up early in the morning? Like, how do other people do this? I'm, I I'm think so curious. some kids sleep in or they're just tired and they drink coffee. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Let's move on to talking about money. Um, yes. I've got a very exciting thing to share. And that is on the day that this comes out, I will be fully vested in my retirement program. <laughs> that was that fireworks going off. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Pretty weak so fireworks. this is something like... I have been thinking about that as this has just been getting closer. I don't know if everyone like considers this as monumental as I do. I mean, I've had it marked in my calendar with a reminder. <laughs> and as it's been getting closer, I've just been looking, mm -hmm. I've been like texting friends and my mom and being like, I'm going to be vested this month. <laughs> I mean, it is so exciting to me and we will kind of get more into retirement and what being vested means and everything. But well, basically it means my employer has been contributing to my retirement account. Um, but if I were to leave my job anytime before today, when this episode comes out, I would not get any of my employer match. Yeah, which I would, is huge. Yeah. Um, so I would get all the money that I've been putting in, which is um, a good amount, but not any that they've been putting in. And they've been putting 7% every paycheck. So anyway, it's significant. Yeah. I wonder to what extent people think about this when they change jobs, because it's, that's a, I mean, it's a really big deal for mm -hmm. us in five years time, that's going to be 20,000 plus dollars. Right. That's between it's 20 my, and $30,000. Yeah, it's if, my, it's my five year anniversary. I'm vested after five years at yeah. my job. And I mean, to, to leave your job for another job is not just, even if you got a pay raise, mm -hmm. like it's a big deal. That's a lot of money to leave yeah. on the table. So it definitely is something to consider mm -hmm. moving jobs. And I know that more recently, the time that people spend at their jobs is becoming shorter and shorter. Yeah. Um, and, you know, sometimes it does make sense for uh, like a, a promotion, the experience, mm -hmm. whatever it is. But yeah, the, the benefits and especially the retirement is really is a consideration. You know, if you're sticking it out for one or two more years, mm -hmm. could that mean thousands more dollars in your retirement account? Maybe it's not worth it, but it is just something to consider. Yeah. The thing that I'm really excited about, I'm hoping mm -hmm. the money shows in your account because yeah. currently the, the potential match from the mm -hmm. employer is not showing up. I'm hoping it shows up because then it will bleed through to Mint oh. and then we can see it added to our net worth. <laughs> yes, you love that net worth amount. I sure do. So I, anyway, it just, it, it feels really, really good to have hit this spot. And I was just talking to you the other day. There's, there's, this kind of weight almost that's lifted um, from me just about my job because like my job feels 
pretty secure, but mm-hmm. just, you know, if anything were to happen, if they were to have layoffs, if I were to lose my job for whatever reason, you got I, would, that money. I would have lost all the money. <laughs> and so now it's like, whoo, I made it. And, mm-hmm. um, it just feels really good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also proud. I have to say one more thing because, mm-hmm. um, I can't remember how many times I've done this, but when I've gotten, I've gotten a couple, maybe two or three raises over the years and I have consistently put um, all or a good chunk of those raises right to my retirement. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the time it is, you know, like, oh, I would love to have more of that money just to spend or maybe even to put like in our more of our um, investment account because mm-hmm. then it's just like really satisfying to watch that to get closer to that savings goal. Um, just less exciting to get a raise and then not see any change in your paycheck. Yeah. But now it is so satisfying to see what that has done over time mm-hmm. and like all those extra contributions. And I was for some reason under the impression that, so you contribute by, you know, the requirements of your mat or your um, retirement, you contribute 7% of your mm-hmm. income and you, as you got those raises, I was thinking you were contributing an extra 4%, but actually you're more than doubling the amount. So you are contributing 15% of your gross income mm-hmm. to your retirement mm-hmm. account, which is awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. And <laughs> Kelsey currently has quite a smug look on her face. No, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's what I contribute. And then my employer contributes 7% as well. So that's 22%. Yeah. Which just feels really good. I mean, we're very fortunate. We have, I think, in, you know, fairly generous retirement packages. It's certainly, this is my third job that I've had, and it's the most generous and like best retirement program I've been in. So I I just, we are very fortunate, but it does feel good. Um, So should we get just into our retirement discussion? Yeah. Okay. It's a doozy. Okay. Well, let's start out with what is retirement anyway? You tell me, what do you think retirement is? Because you've been thinking about this idea broadly. Well, I have been thinking more um, about a retirement mindset. And mm-hmm. this was actually from a good friend of mine, Sherry in Nova Scotia. We exchange Voxer messages. And um, she, we, she was kind of talking about, she said something that just like really stuck with me that even though retirement for her is a ways off, she wants to not wait until she's retired to be enjoying life in the way that she wants to in retirement. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So anyway, that just stuck with me and I've been thinking about that. And when I started thinking about it, um, I feel like I never actually want to retire. I mm-hmm. love being productive. Like I don't necessarily, I don't always want to be working for someone else, Mm -hmm. but I love to work. I'm always finding things to work on and and just like be productive. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. anyway, that's kind of what I've been thinking about. Yeah, because I think that's kind of the misconception about it. I remember because I've always had in my head if I could ever retire early or stop working for whatever reason, I absolutely would. Mm -hmm. I love ASU. I love everything I do. And I'm pleased and, and proud and you know, lucky to be doing what I'm doing. But if I could be doing everything on my own for mm-hmm. my own self, I totally would. And I was having, we were having a discussion with some friends of ours a while, like a long time ago. And I was expressing the sentiment and our friend was saying, but don't you want to like, your kids would be seeing you just kind of 
not mm-hmm. working. Don't you want to have the example of like hard work, you know, for your mm-hmm. kids? And I was like, oh, it's, I, I get it now. People don't, when they think of retirement, they think of like the ceasing of productivity. Playing the, golf, sitting around. The lazing about the, what am I going to do today? I don't right. know. I'll just hang out, read the paper. And I don't think either of us mm-hmm. feel that way. I mm-hmm. think we'd be out and about and active and productive. Mm-hmm. So it's not the ceasing of productivity. It's just, to me, it's getting to the point where you don't have to rely on your work to live. Right. In other words, you don't need the income because you have other sources of that. Right. And then you can do exactly what you want to do, which yeah. may not be being productive and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But for us, I think it would be yeah. being productive. Right. Yeah. And so I thought this would be an interesting topic to bring up because obviously it's um, for everyone, it should be top of mind all the time, but it's easy for it to recede away as you well, get yeah. into day-to-day life because it's Cause often it's so, so far well, off. Right. When you first start working, it is so far away. And then if it's not something that you're routinely thinking about, then you just aren't practiced in thinking about it. And and it also is just daunting mm-hmm. because you will read um, these predictions of how much money you need to have saved. And if you're feeling behind or you're not saving for retirement, it just feels stressful. Like, I don't even want to think about it, so I'll put it off. I'll think about it later. Mm-hmm. But it's so important to think about it now. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's maybe a hint of strategy for, so for people starting out in their career, say 20s, people who are getting into their career and heading into that mid-level area, like 30s into 40s, there's a hint of strategy, but I actually think it's pretty straightforward. It's probably not until you're starting to approach retirement where you want to be thinking strategically about where your money is so that you could draw appropriately at certain times or whatever. So I think where we're focused right now is the minimal strategy upfront 20s through 40s era of life mm-hmm. where you're just building the awesome financial base you'll need mm-hmm. to make the strategic decisions on, down the mm-hmm. road. So I think it's what I, I, I kind of want to talk about. Okay. And the other thing I was thinking that this would be useful to be thinking about is in the context of all the discussion about entitlements right now. So obviously mm-hmm. healthcare mm-hmm. is a major debate at the moment. In, and, in the U.S. And, and that is to mm-hmm. say, obviously we are in the U.S. So this is very specific to us. Other countries I know do it differently or have um, better guaranteed government pensions, et cetera, et cetera. So we yeah. might be in a particularly kind of vulnerable place in the U.S. where we need to be super strategic. And it would be interesting to hear from listeners whether how much of this rings true versus how much of this maybe you feel pity for us. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Because I think in the U.S., entitlement reform is a reality sometime in our future. So entitlements being those programs that everybody is quote unquote entitled to. From the government, like Social Security. Yes. Social Security, Medicare, Mm -hmm. for example. Um, Which is health insurance when you are retired, when you're older. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those things are like Medicare right now is could be incredibly different mm-hmm. um, than what it has been. And Social Security is solvent. Currently, it's estimates up through to like mid 2030s. And then and then it could be underfunded. And then that, that becomes an issue. So there are lots of things that are threats to the way we think about how we'd spend in retirement. And mm-hmm. so I thought this would be useful just given that context mm-hmm. here. Yeah. So the first thing we probably should be talking about and thinking about is, you know, when you're retired, where is your money coming from? If mm-hmm. you're not working, right. um, but you need money to live, where right. does it come from? Right. Uh, so obviously there would be a few spots. We were just talking about our employer related plans. So mm-hmm. 401ks or pensions, pensions mm-hmm. are many fewer 
in the mm-hmm. U.S. anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's probably going to be a, a big piece. And so, and let's say what we what we have. Yeah. So you have a 401k essentially mm-hmm. and, um, and a 403b, you have a 401k like program, right? Right. And a 403b, which is a voluntary pre-tax retirement, mm-hmm. uh, program. So the, the extra that you were talking about, the raises that you were getting are going into that. Yep. That means it's not matched because it's voluntary. So right. it's not matched by the employer, but it's still pre-tax. So it lowers mm-hmm. your taxable base. Yeah. Right. I have, and I feel lucky that I got this. I came in one of the last years that ASU was offering a, a defined benefits, quote unquote, or essentially pension plan through the Arizona State Retirement System. Mm-hmm. So I contribute 11% of my income, and that's matched by ASU. But I wouldn't draw down on that in the traditional sense of like a 401k. Mm-hmm. Instead, the state will pay me what's essentially an annuity, mm-hmm. like off the base that I have saved up, mm-hmm. I'll just get that till, you know, I'm dead. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is nice, except <laughs> for the dead nice. part. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's essentially what we have. That's like the, those are the the programs that are related to our employer. Mm-hmm. Now we also do other types of saving too. Um, we both have a Roth IRA. Yep. And we have our Vanguard account, mm-hmm. which is a just a standard brokerage account, but we foresee that as long-term, essentially, yeah. retirement savings. That's where we're trying to uh, contribute big savings every year, you know, thousands of dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we have other little piddly savings, but that's really the yeah the, the meat of it for yeah. us. And, and really, the bulk of it is in those, um, the 401k the 403B, the pension, and our Vanguard account. Yep. Um, we don't have, yeah, how, how much do we have in our Roth IRAs? I have not been contributing now to mine. I might have like four or $5,000. Yeah, we. I think in total we have about 15000 between the two of us. Okay. So, I mean, it, so it's a good little chunk, but it's not something like we're actively like really growing. I mean, that would not serve us very well in retirement. Yeah, especially since we, if we wanted to, we could be contributing, I think, 5500 yeah. per Roth. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we wanted to, but we are not because we're preferencing our your voluntary extra savings through mm-hmm. your employer and our Vanguard account. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so in terms of where retirement income would come from, mm-hmm. obviously a pension and or 401k, those types of things would be the probably the backbone mm-hmm. um, for what most people would be having. Personal savings and investments would be another big one. So the things we just talked about, like IRAs, mm-hmm. other accounts, and possibly other sources of passive income. So right. if you've invested in real estate and mm-hmm. you know rental income is coming through, sure. that could be a piece. And then social security would be the other, yeah, unfortunately big one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's probably something you should not consider to be a backbone. Although the vast majority, not the vast majority, the slight majority of Americans actually rely on social security as the majority of their, like the major source of their retirement income. Mm-hmm. And that's a little bit scary because I think social security benefits could possibly be cut in the future mm-hmm. as part of an entitlement reform. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason people depend on social security so much is because we unfortunately don't do a really great job of saving for retirement mm-hmm. in the U S broadly speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but before we get into that, that's probably going to be the makeup of what most people are going to be depending okay. on. Right. Okay. So it's important then to be thinking about the threats to those various things. (laughs) (laughs) And that's really what got me thinking about this whole topic. But I just mentioned that a lot of people don't rely on Social Security because they don't have a whole lot of retirement savings. In fact, 40 million households uh, don't have any retirement savings at all. What percentage is that? 
it's household level. So, I mean, I have to guess that's, you know, 25% a a third Mm. of Americans. Wow. I would imagine. Mm -hmm. Um, Among those who do, the average is $200,000, but that's skewed because averages can be skewed by extremes on either end of the range. So the median income, that's more reflective of your Mm -hmm. standard American, Mm -hmm. $59,000 upon retirement is what people have saved. Yeah. And that's tough. And the threat to this, I think, is what's going on with our healthcare, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, reform right now. If, for example, Medicare, so Medicare right now is, I mean, not incredibly generous, but it it offers a set of benefits for people. Mm -hmm. You can get like health insurance. You can get things covered and taken care of, even if you have maybe like a, like maybe if it's not very cheap, you can get medical coverage. Right. Because there's not currently a cap per person, but one, one of the things that's being considered is capping essentially the amount per person because the, the Medicare would kind of be turned into a block grant that states would have, uh-huh. wouldn't keep up with the inflation and healthcare costs. Right. And so the amount of money per person would go less and less far. Gotcha. Um, so that benefit could be much shrunk mm-hmm. uh, in the future. But in my research, mm-hmm. I learned that the, um, the average cost, medical costs in retirement for a couple, $200,000. So thinking about a a much reduced entitlement like Medicare Mm -hmm. coupled with a very low retirement savings and then hit with big time medical costs, that's where people can get in trouble. And obviously this is a time when medical costs will become more significant for people. Yeah, it really is so scary to think about. I mean... um, yeah, just just all of those things coming together. Now you no longer have your, you know, salary, your regular paycheck that you were getting. You are now off whatever employer health insurance plan. You know, we have really great, really affordable health insurance right now. When we are no longer working for an employer, we're not going to have that. And, mm-hmm. you know, there are healthcare plans that you can buy, but at various costs, I mean, you know, much talk more to ex- either of our parents that it's crazy right, how much they spend. Right. Much more expensive exactly at the time when we're not going to, you know, be having those paychecks. And presumably when, as we get older, that's when we're going to be needing more health insurance and health like, you know, coverage. Yeah. yeah. P- part of um, how Obamacare works right now is that insurance companies can actually uh, charge elderly people three, three times yeah, three times a younger person's amount. They're saying, oh, let's move it up to five times mm-hmm. the amount. So essentially making it quite a bit more expensive. Oof. AARP is not happy. Yeah. So anyway, these things um, are significant threats, I think, yeah. to, to people's yeah. retirement to be, savings. To be aware of and to, you know, as we're watching these things unfold in our country, you know, these are really things that are going to affect us yeah, yeah. or ha- have, have the great potential to. Um, we were talking today. We are in the very fortunate position. I mean, first of all, in the very fortunate because we make great incomes and we have health insurance and, and all of these things. We are in very fortunate position in terms of that. Um, and we're very aware of that. But also, before we retire, we still have a few more administrative presidential administrations and who knows, you know, I'm just hopeful that if healthcare is going so South that the next administration or two will work to address that by the time that we're Mm -hmm. retiring, Mm -hmm. but it is concerning. Yeah. A lot can change. It could go, 
It could become more positive. It could be mm-hmm. more negative. But but I think the reality, though, is that we do have a massive debt and deficit, and those are driven by Medicare mm-hmm. and Social Security in a large mm-hmm. part. So I, I can't imagine that even if we do come to a place where we have sort of comprehensive coverage, mm-hmm. probably coverage will be less over time mm-hmm. and probably Social Security benefits mm-hmm. uh, could drop as well. I'll talk about that one in a second. Okay. Let's talk about personal savings, though, like uh, investment uh-huh. accounts and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Threats to your personal savings. This is the one that we like to cover a lot because essentially the threat to your saving is your spending. That's it. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> right? Yep. Uh, and the market, of course. So right. no matter what you save, the market could do something crazy like it did in, in... I mean, unless you just have it in a static savings account, then you're right. maybe missing out on getting returns and getting that money to grow. Right, but right. I mean, a saving, just a straight savings account would be extremely safe. Right. So... But that's, I think, such an important thing to be thinking about where Mm -hmm. the greatest threat to your savings is your spending. Mm -hmm. That means you have incredible control over your financial future Mm -hmm. um, given these other threats. Right. And I'm going to make the argument in a second that Social Security, neither Social Security nor your pension or 401k should actually be your backbone. Mm. If you can make it possible, your savings could be your backbone. Mm -hmm. Um, But we'll talk about that. So threats to Social Security. Um, as I was just mentioning, it's possible those benefits could, they, I, don't, I don't think they're going away. I don't think social security will go away, Yeah. but, um, it probably will be reduced over time. I have mm-hmm. to imagine in 2014, average social security payments were 1294 a month. Mm-hmm. So that's about $15,500 a year. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's frankly I mean, not a whole lot. Yeah. That's, that's, that's something, but that's something to kind of like help you make ends meet. Yeah. That is yeah. not a lot. So um, it makes up probably like 38% of current retirees' income. So they're, they're basically walking home with about $41,000 mm-hmm. before tax. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a significant portion of what people are relying on. And yeah, the threat is, is lack. So like if there was no reform to Social Security, mm-hmm. by 2034 is the estimate, um, it will become insolvent. And that would at that time require an immediate 21% permanent reduction wow. in benefits for everyone. So wow. a fifth of what you're potentially depending on goes away mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you would hope that there'd be some sensible reform. Like we could raise taxes and it'd be fine. Mm-hmm. Or we could um, slowly reduce the benefits mm-hmm. over time. But given how our government currently works, <laughs> addressing any reform like really head on in a comprehensive bipartisan, like right. let's compromise kind of way. I'm not banking on it. Yeah. So, so yeah. So that's mm-hmm. an important thing to be thinking about. Yeah. So with all that in mind, then what do you do? What do we do with all this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that's where the simplest of philosophies comes in and, and where like the, your own agency, your own control over your financial future can make you feel emboldened rather mm. than scared of all the, you know, political bullshit that goes on all the yeah, time. That, that would be helpful because things can feel a little scary. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't you talk about our, our savings philosophy? Okay. Yeah. So this is kind of our savings, but also our lifestyle philosophy. I think mm-hmm. that this gets into, um, so we are just trying to really maximize our savings right now, but that, and so that goes along with foregoing things. Mm-hmm. But I think that what we found is what we found in that is a, a simpler lifestyle in some ways that then we don't feel like we're missing those things. We don't feel like we're foregoing things. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been able to make one car work and we do not miss having a second car. We are not missing having a television and paying for cable. Um, 
you know, just kind of things like that. And so that means that we are working on lowering the cost of our living right now. Mm -hmm. And that is going to really help us in help us in retirement because then we're going to have a lower cost of living and can, you know, kind of continue to get by on less than maybe what the average American would be needing. Totally. And I think this is, this I think is like the magic of voluntary simplicity. Mm -hmm. So like this approach that we take to life by Mm -hmm. trying to make things simpler now. So what you'll see a lot of times when you read retirement articles is, okay, let's say you make, you know, your, your household income is a hundred thousand dollars, which would be, you know, generous for a lot of people, right? So $100,000 um, in retirement, maybe you're going to want to be able to afford 80% of that. So right. that would mean you'd need to have enough income from those various sources for $80,000 a year. Mm-hmm. That's crazy mm-hmm. because the, the assumption is you have to maintain this certain lifestyle yeah. and all the spending that goes along with it. Mm-hmm. And so the, the more extravagant and expensive your lifestyle obviously the more you would need to save in order to maintain that post, right. you know, post working. Mm-hmm. If you work on leading a simpler life, which we would advocate because we think there's more happiness to be found in simplicity than there mm-hmm. is in, at least for us in, than in extravagance and such. Um, then you come to a point where our cost of living, like after we're done with the debt of our house, for example, mm-hmm. and after we're done with daycare, would hover between hopefully we'll be done with daycare by retirement <laughs> yeah. it's like just funny that you mentioned that it's like such a significant cost for us right now that's what we're both it's like that's really what we're looking forward to in retirement people is not paying for daycare <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay but but uh for us um a cost of living is probably going to hover around 40 to fifty thousand dollars while the kids are still in the house okay that's my guess a- and so that means you mean once we have the house paid off yeah Okay. Yeah. And they're no longer in daycare. Right. Okay. <laughs> but we're still managing their lives. Mm-hmm. So like forty dollars $50,000. So, so that means whatever we need in retirement once the kids are gone mm-hmm. and life is simpler mm-hmm. and um, we have many fewer expenses, we probably need only, you know, 75, 80% of that. So that puts us, you know, south of $50,000, whatever that might be. It seems incredible. Yeah. You can, but you can, if we, if, if you're smart with your money by, you know, dealing with your debt and then saving in such a way. Mm-hmm it makes saving easier to totally cover mm-hmm. a lower cost of living yeah. if you find happiness at that lower cost of living. Right. So that's kind of the whole point mm-hmm. of how we approach these things. I like it. So what do you do with all the scary things and all the retirement stuff? First thing is have a philosophy. That's, mm-hmm. that's ours. Yours doesn't have to be that, but mm-hmm. have a philosophy about how you want to um, achieve the goals mm-hmm. of your retirement um, yeah. and just income. And just start thinking about it. I mean, even though it's years and years off, mm-hmm. it, it, I mean, it is in your future and you'll be better off thinking about it and starting to plan for it than, than not. And yeah. even though it can seem like a, like a scary thing, just like, um, you know, making a budget and even starting to manage your money can feel scary and overwhelming, but it's kind of just a series of some steps. Start reading about it. Start looking into it. What kind of plans does your employer offer if they do? Mm-hmm. If they don't, what are some of your other options like an IRA or a Roth IRA that you could get set up? So, And I feel like we find it fun because we usually this discussion that we have is usually around our goals. Mm -hmm. Like what are we trying to do together as a couple in our life, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. And then, and that's, that's about how we want to live our lives and the stuff we want to do. And then from there, it's like, Oh, the tactics and the strategies are dealing with money and and the logistics and stuff. Mm -hmm. So those are just, you know, 
that's just like the the means to the end, mm-hmm. and the end is the fun thing to talk about. So if you start yeah. there, it feels a little more like teamwork. It's, right. It feels a little more um, fulfilling. Okay. Yeah, I like that. But the next thing is to have a retirement plan. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't have to be anything extravagant, but just be thinking about like you can find a million places online where you can go and estimate what your, you know, if you know your account balances, you can kind of figure out how much you might have when you retire. Mm -hmm. If you're saving at this consistent amount Mm -hmm. with compound interest, blah, blah, blah. Like you can go around and just play with those things and kind of figure out what your sums are looking like. You can sign up. And create an account on the Social Security Administration website. If you're in the U.S. If you're in, sorry, yeah. And um, and then find out what your Social Security is likely to be because obviously they have a record of all your earnings mm-hmm. and That's they'll so interesting. extrapolate out. That's so crazy. Yeah. And so, and you can just throw all this stuff in and, and think about, okay, this is, you know, where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. This is what our income might look like based on our current earnings and mm-hmm. Social Security how do these things match up when we get to retirement? Mm-hmm. What what expenses? Will we have our house paid off by then? Or right. would, would, would that yeah. be still something we're dealing mm-hmm. with? Mm-hmm. And just think that stuff through. Yeah. Don't have to have year by year like allocations, right? But Right, right. Almost kind of a kind of a sketch out a retirement budget, you know? Like whether or not there'll be a house payment. I mean, you know, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then yeah, having a retirement and thinking through probably those at least those three areas of income, your 401k, your employer, you know, base retirement, any savings you have or investments, and then social security. Mm-hmm. Um, I would argue or recommend, though, given the uncertainty with pensions and 401k in the market um, and social security and what might happen with it, that if it's possible for you to make your own savings the backbone of your retirement. Ooh, that seems crazy. That seems crazy. Even, I mean, even though maybe that is the plan that we're going to try to get on, that is Mm -hmm. sounding like crazy talk to my ears. It just sounds (laughs) so overwhelming to try to save hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Because that's what you, like, at least that's my impression that it feels like we would need in retirement. You probably would. So if, well, okay. So the the example that what, what you often also see in retirement articles is, like if you're going to live off your own savings, mm-hmm. you know, how much would you need? So if you assume an inflation rate of 3% mm-hmm. and let's actually, let me back up. Let's say you want to have $40,000 a year in retirement okay. and you want that all off your own investments and, and savings. Okay. Um, then you need to have a million dollars because you could draw down 4% of that. Um, you could draw down 7% of that. And 3% would cover inflation and 4% would result in $40,000. Okay. So the idea there is that you're, you'd never touch your principal. You'd just be able to mm. pull down that 40K and you still have that million. Okay. Like and, every year? Yeah. You mean? Every okay. year. So it would, it would uh, in theory, just you know, like live there forever. Self-sustaining? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that accounting for inflation, you could pull down 4% and that would give you your $40,000, right? That makes sense? Sort of. Okay. Well, the idea is you need a million dollars to okay. take in 40K. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, we are currently on a plan. We do not have a million dollars. We do not have a million dollars. Are we on a plan to have a million dollars? So it sounds outrageous, uh-huh. but just but think about it this way. Okay. In five years time. Think about it this way, Kelsey. A million dollars. <laughs> I mean, it sounds great. 
<laughs> I'm on board with that. <laughs> but if you think about what we're actually doing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, paying for daycare. We're paying for daycare. We're paying a mortgage. I have student loans still. Mm-hmm. But we're still on track, pretty close to on track, to saving $100,000 in five years. Okay. So it would take then, like, if you were only going to save 100000 and nothing else was happening, multiply that by... Wait, what do you have to multiply that by? $100,000 in five years. So by 10, it would take 50 years. But obviously, it's not going to take you 50 years to save a million dollars. Obviously, the market will grow over time. Okay. So you probably only need to save like five, $600,000. And, in, you know, the mm-hmm. interest will take you the rest of the way. Okay. You can actually get there. Even So in your standard career of like, say, 30 years. Mm-hmm. If you're being sa- very aggressive with your savings. You could think about it that way. Mm-hmm. Like, or, oh my God, I've got to do you, this. Or you could simplify your lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And so I'm, I'm doing a kind of a Mr. Money Mustache thing here where mm-hmm. if you read his blog, this is essentially what he did. So he, he worked and they made good money. So yeah. there's that. Um, but he worked from 20 to 30 and saved up. They actually retired on, I think, around $600,000. Hmm. They had a paid off house. Mm-hmm. So that's important. Mm-hmm. But they retired on 60K because they live on 25000 a year and they're totally happy with that. You mean... Six hundred thousand dollars. Then you, oh, you oh, sixty yeah. k per year. No, I'm sorry. They they retired on six hundred thousand dollars of savings okay. and a paid off house because they get by on twenty five thousand and they're totally content with that because okay. they lead very simplified right. lives. Right. So that is, I mean, very few examples like that exist. Mm-hmm. But it's always good to have somebody out there who expresses the ideal. Mm. So if you're not going that far, you don't have to go that mm-hmm. far. He he saves six hundred k. He and his wife. In 10 years, what could you do in 20 or 25? Mm. Like a very, that's still a very short career. Uh-huh. Whole point being, it's actually possible to do that. We're just not trained yeah, to think that way. For sure. We're trained to, you know, live and spend. And then these retirement things out there vaguely should take care of us mm-hmm. in our future. Mm-hmm. But there are real threats to them. So how can you take control? You take control of your spending to maximize your saving. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's move on to what, uh, what our retirement snapshot is. So how we're, how we're looking for retirement. Mm-hmm. Do we have a million dollars? <laughs> a million dollars. <laughs> no, nowhere near it. Um, okay. So the- you, you have been really digging into these numbers and it's been fun for you to like, cause you know, honestly for me, um, my retirement contributions, I'll sometimes look at my paycheck and just kind of, you know, be reminded, oh yeah, I've got like, I think 154 of each paycheck I contribute to my employer match plan. So my employer also matches $154. Mm-hmm. And then that voluntary extra plan where I've kind of put extra raises and things, I, I just... I just don't really think about it that much. And so then when I do check in and I see, oh, I'm contributing 170 extra dollars per paycheck. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really awesome. But anyway, that's kind of as far as I go. I rarely ever look at the sum of my retirement accounts. Mm-hmm. And then I have for my first two jobs, they had retirement plans where I think I was contributing 6% and they 3%. But then because I left those jobs after just like a couple of years each, yeah. I I retained maybe a little bit of vested money, but not a ton anyway. And I just sort of never even think about it. So then recently when my vesting was coming up, I was like, oh yeah, pull up the accounts and let's see, you know, what, mm-hmm. what I have. And it was, it was pretty awesome. It was sizable. 
Yeah. Okay. So tell, but tell me, um, so as of when this is coming out, being fully vested, how much should I have across my retirement accounts? Yours will be, I think about 90,000. Yeah. $90,000. When I'm vested. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I'm really proud. Yeah, you should be. I'm only 33. I know. So see the, the savings thing Mm -hmm. makes a big difference. I mean, obviously that's getting matched quite a bit. Mm Mm-hmm. But you're only 33 and you have almost $100,000 of savings. Mm-hmm. And like you just said, you're almost kind of doing that thoughtlessly. Mm-hmm. Like, but that isn't, but that is the, um, you know, that's my retirement accounts mm-hmm. and not the like savings. Right. But I'm saying use that as an example. Like it is, mm-hmm. it's possible, even feasible to, you know, to do something like this. Mm-hmm voluntarily in your own life. You don't necessarily need your employer, although obviously the matching is a big help. Yeah. Right. But yeah, so you, you'll have about $90,000 across your two accounts, your 401k type account and your 403b once all the matching comes in, which is awesome. Now I am, um, six months away from being fully vested. My investment schedule is different. I've been getting vested 15% increases a year starting after year five. Okay. So by this October, I'll be fully vested. I'm 85% of the way there. And um, right now I'm at about $180,000. So once I get vested, it should be about $200,000 in my pension account. It's awesome. Yeah. And we have 42K in our Vanguard. And mm-hmm. we've been reporting on that throughout these episodes. Yeah. We have, like I said, about 15000 in Roth IRAs. Um, and then like, yeah, $2,000, a few other things in uh, some short-term investments. Mm-hmm. So not really retirement savings. Yeah. All told, by the end of the year, we should have about $350,000. Three five zero three fifty thousand dollars. Now I am approaching forty, but yep. I'm an academic, and so I did a lot of training. So I didn't really start my career in earnest, yeah. nor did I have a until retirement account 30. until I was thirty. Yep. So that two hundred k is coming in a ten year career. Your ninety k is coming in a eight nine yeah, eight, eight eight year, year. career. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's I I mean pretty awesome. Yeah, we've done a good job. Yeah, I'm really proud of us. Yeah, maybe nine year. Mm-hmm. Nine-year career for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really proud of us. So we're on track. We're doing well. I mean, I think that we will have, if I work a full career, if we worked, if we both worked like 30 years, mm-hmm. we would easily have a million dollars and mm-hmm. be able to, we'd be fine. But I don't think we actually need a million dollars across all our accounts to actually pay for our lives mm-hmm. once we're retired. Um, but at least I think that we're we're on track. So- the idea here, though, is to just think about how these things are possible in this managed thing that's going on with your employer. Mm-hmm. How could you bring that or replicate it in-house mm-hmm. so that you have these dual tracks going? Yeah. And then and then the power's in your hands. <laughs> <laughs> Very empowering. Okay, let's move on to one big thing. Go. Okay. Um, let's see. This is a podcast that I've really been enjoying. And just because I have been, um, I mentioned last time how I've been spending less time on social media. I am continuing to do that and really, really enjoying it. I have just been craving just more simplicity in my life and just less um, like input kind of from the outside. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And so anyway, been kind of um, not listening to quite as many of my political podcasts and all that. Anyway, um, I am enjoying this podcast called Missing Richard 
which <laughs> is focused on finding Richard Simmons mm-hmm. because apparently he's missing. You know, I got to work this into a conversation. Oh, um, you did? Yesterday, I was on a conference call <laughs> and there's a research group at ASU that's focused on well-being. And they're like, okay. oh, we want to make a big splash. We want to bring somebody really just, you know, a big personality in. And somebody's like, what about Richard Simmons? <gasps> and and like, I'm like, you can't, he's missing. <laughs> There's a podcast about it. Oh, my God. How funny. Maybe mm-hmm. you should call this podcast producer and maybe this group could be like searching for him too or something. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, but it's just really well produced. It's intriguing. They're coming out every week and it's just fun to be involved in one of those podcasts where they're, you know, you're anticipating it coming out every week and mm-hmm. waiting for a new part of the story. So anyway, it's just, mm-hmm. it's just nice. It's like light. And I mean, it is really interesting. I'm learning things about Richard Simmons that I... Never knew. I, I knew of him like just as kind of like a pop culture lifestyle figure, but mm-hmm. I didn't know a ton about him. And anyway, he is an interesting character. I feel like the podcast world is really kind of, I mean, it has been blowing up, yeah. but like really blowing up. So um, Gimlet, is it? Mm-hmm. Gimlet. And then there's one that starts with P. What is it called? Panoply. 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 These, From these, Slate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these companies that are pumping out just really awesome yeah. podcasts. Mm-hmm. Reply All is one yep. you've been into a lot recently. Yep. That's one of our favorites. Yeah. Song Exploder. There's so many good ones. Do you listen to Song Exploder, Chris? When you make me. <laughs> Which is crazy because I should love it. I know. It's so good. I know. Okay. What's your one big thing? Ooh, I had it and I lost it. Oh, I remember. Democracy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Tell me more. I don't even know how to put this in a in a concise way. Well, just say democracy. If I put anything concisely, probably mm. not. I'm a professor. It's what I do. Yep. You expound <laughs> I your <do>. thoughts. <laughs> well, so uh, there is a group of us at ASU who are thinking now about how to make democracy better <laughs> because we're not smug academics or anything. Uh-huh. Um, but actually what's cool is that there's a group who... Um, are really practitioner oriented and actually work with municipalities and have done very cool things. There is a um, policy informatics researcher. There is a psychologist, there's a philosopher, a postdoc and me who are all interested in trying out new ways of deliberative processes of democratic engagement. Mm -hmm. And so we've been just talking about how we could employ these ideas in the real world. The whole notion is that, um, People in power keep their power and they make the decisions. And we have this managed democracy where we vote in people who then go off and make all the decisions and we leave it to them to do that. And then we get upset when they don't do it the way we thought they should. Mm-hmm. But there might be ways to get the public more directly involved. And even though they're not specific experts in certain matters that might require policy decisions, there are ways to facilitate that so that they all, so that the public can have real engagement and feel like they actually had a meaningful contribution to Mm decision-making. And so two of these researchers actually did this with uh, the city of Phoenix, Mm -hmm. helped them determine how much money to put towards, I think, public transportation bill. Mm -hmm. And they actually ended up putting, it was a ballot thing and they actually ended up suggesting quite a bit more Mm -hmm. public funding for, um, for transit. And I think it passed, right? Yep. Yeah. So they actually, they took science and a deliberative process engaged this council Mm -hmm. and got them to think through and everybody really felt good about the decisions that came out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, we're just, we're hacking ideas with some organizations we're, we're, we're working with to see if we can bring in people 
and have them participate in processes like these. So now I'm looking around for like in our own locale, are there nutrition policies that are being mm. considered or um, it could even happen at your local level. Like your elementary school, your kid goes to, do they have a nutrition policy? Mm-hmm. How do you think about engaging people or making sure that the people who make decisions in the school engage students and parents in appropriate ways so that everybody could collaboratively make decisions and can you elevate those processes into actual governance at higher levels Mm. anyway so we're just thinking a lot about it but i get excited that there are people who have done things that resulted in real policy decisions because it's like oh that it's actually possible to get people engaged and then have real impact Mm -hmm. so it's totally outside of my realm of normal work i'm a nutrition guy Mm -hmm. but um it's fun to think about Awesome. Anyway, yeah. That's really cool. That's it. All right. That was a big discussion about retirement and lots of information. So I hope that was helpful and we would love feedback on what retirement is looking like for you. If there was something that we missed, Um, if you'd like to hear more about a particular aspect of retirement, we'd be happy to talk about it. Um, You can always email us at heymatrimony at gmail.com. And we love getting your iTunes reviews. Um, They just make our day. And I had to share one Hmm. that is a, that just like made us both laugh. Um, This one says, I enjoy the realness Kelsey and Chris give to their show. I told some friends, it's useful just to see that sometimes life is a shit show and sometimes it's not (laughs) just like us. So yeah, we're trying to keep it real here, folks. (laughs) So we just loved that. So anyway, we love your iTunes reviews. We love it when you share the show with a friend. Um, You can keep up with us on Instagram in between shows. I am Kels Wharton and Chris is Practically Awesome Chris. And you can find the show notes for this episode including a budget, Mm. um, what our budget looks like right now Mm. at loveandmatrimony.com. Yeah. So deliberate with your spouse about how to save for retirement. And remember to love your honey, not your money. Okay, let's do a test, test, test. What did you eat for breakfast this morning? (laughs) I can't remember. (laughs) A whale watcher went with Wanda. (laughs) A whale watcher. (laughs) You know what? The sound has been off and maybe it's because you're doing these tongue twisters as you're... (laughs) A whale watcher, a whale watcher. Okay, also... I'm working my lips. (laughs) And also, you suddenly mentioned tongue twisters that I've never heard of before. Are you making these up? Yeah. Oh, okay. Like Ron Burgundy style. Oh, okay. I made two pop culture references already. Well, there you go.